welcome to She Thinks A podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, we talk about Hollywood. Has the entertainment industry become more partisan and out of touch during the COVID-19 crisis, and has it become more hypocritical during the Me Too movement? Finally, we're going to end the podcast by topping it off with recommended movies for quarantine times, which I think is just in time because I think we're all running out of the programs we've already watched. So we have a great guest on today to talk about all that. Christian Toto is an award-winning journalist, film critic, and podcaster with more than 20 years experience covering Hollywood from a right-of-center perspective. He previously oversaw entertainment coverage at Breitbart News and LifeSet and currently contributes to The Daily Wire, The Federalist, JustTheNews.com, and Newsbusters. He is the founder and editor of HollywoodInToto.com, the right take on entertainment. Christian, it's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. We are going to get into the Me Too movement, the sexual assault allegations against Joe Biden, but I first want to start with how Hollywood is handling the coronavirus quarantine. One of the things that's really got me a little little offended on how they handle things is they talk about the importance of working out and they show videos of them in their personal gyms. Of course, most of us do not have personal gyms or they'll talk about how stir crazy they're going in their spacious homes and saying, you know, they're struggling so much during this. Do you think Hollywood is missing the mark on connecting with people's struggles right now? For the most part, yes. Listen, they're rich, they're famous, they can hunker down better than we can hunker down for the most part. And I can't blame them for that. They've earned their wealth. It's the way the system works. But there's such a disconnect on multiple levels. And of course, the uh, when you've got stars, you know, singing crazy songs and sharing goofy opinions, you know, they're starved for camera time. So I get that as well. But what I, I find the most offensive are people like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert and comedian Patton Oswalt going on Twitter or using their platform to say, oh, these rubes are out there protesting and, and they're not following directions. Well, you know what? They don't have paychecks like your paychecks. They may be starving. They may be desperate to work to get back to work so they can provide for their families. And the fact that they have not an ounce of sympathy for people like that is really stunning. You know, I, I cover Hollywood hypocrisy. I, I can write it, you can tell you chapter and verse about it, but that has really taken me aback just how they don't even begin to understand that there are so many people suffering because we're locked down. It isn't just being locked down and watching Netflix. It's much more than that. And uh, listen, I work in the media. I'm still getting most of my paychecks coming in, but there are many, many people who aren't. And I think that's where the disconnect is, is really profound. Well, I'm glad you brought up that video, Christian. I want to go ahead and play a clip of it. The clip you're talking about is a video that was put out by actress Gal Gadot. She had her celebrity friends on of it, and they did a cover of Imagine by John Lennon. Let's listen to a little bit here. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people. 
And that video did go viral for all the wrong reasons. They definitely seemed out of touch in this. Uh, celebrities, I just don't think, handle crises very well when they're trying to um, acknowledge people's pain. And so that brings up what you were saying, even about the protest. You find that celebrities are telling people not to protest, that they should stay home. But of course, celebrities typically have money to fall back on. I even find people who are still working, people who are teleworking, they're also individuals telling people that they sh we shouldn't open up the economy. It seems that the people with money don't want the economy to get back working again. Do you see that disparity quite often, not just in Hollywood, but also in the press? It's partly that. It's partly because that's what the messaging from the media is giving us. We can't open up. You, you know, we've got to hunker down indefinitely, you know, economy be darned. Uh, it, it's also political. They know that, you know, the, the, the biggest selling point that President Trump has is the robust economy. Well, that's potentially gone now. And, and the, the more it, it suffers, the more that a, a new face, a new, a new choice becomes an alternative. So I think it's a lot of those things. And, uh, you know, the messaging that we're getting out of the press is, you, you know, you can't, you can't go back. And we've seen that pretty clearly that, you know, you, you hate, you hate people. You want old people to die. If you reopen, well, no one's, you know, no one's saying we're going to just open up society like it was two months ago. We're saying we do it very carefully and maybe in neighborhoods and states and communities where the risk is lower and maybe where the, the people who have been infected is much lower. So, I mean, it can be done. I think state by state is the right way. And people aren't really getting that message. And it seems like there's a lack of urgency with people who still get their paychecks. And I also found it pretty appalling. You had Joe Bayar this week, the, one of the hosts of The View, criticized Dr. Deborah Birx, um, saying that basically she needed to criticize President Trump more and not be part of his team whatsoever. It's interesting to me that feminists will go after women if the women don't line up with how they think they should behave. Do you see that also across the board from most women in Hollywood, that they attack females who don't have the certain ideology that many of them hold dear? Yeah, you know, I, I've studied this pretty extensively. Just think about our first lady, Melania Trump. She is mocked and savage in the media. Comedians take, take pot shots at her. And uh, I guess a few months ago, I reached out to different women's groups and said, hey, what do you think about all these celebrities saying really terrible things? I mean, not just like poking fun at this or that, but really sexual, gross, terrible things about the first lady. And there was complete silence from them. We're seeing that right now because the Daily Beast, a left of center uh, outlet, just reached out to a whole bunch of women's groups and said, what do you think about the, uh, the Joe Biden situation? And, and this Tara Reid who said that he, you know, he uh, sexually assaulted her. They were all silent because it's political. If a conservative woman is under attack, she doesn't get the protection that a liberal woman would get if she were under attack. So it just means they're being insincere. This whole Me Too Hollywood movement is insincere. It's a political movement. It's not about protecting and believing all women. It's about picking and choosing who we believe, who we don't believe based on our political ideology. That's what it is. And it's been exposed. Yeah, I do think it's been glaring right now. We can see just how much there is a hypocrisy between how Judge Kavanaugh was treated during his confirmation and how Joe Biden is being treated. And by the way, 
we don't even know, we're not even saying that Joe Biden is guilty of any of these accusations, but looking into them, the way they've been treated, the way they've been covered, there's a drastic, stark difference between the two. And I'm wondering if there's been such a difference in how this has been covered, such a difference in Hollywood speaking out between these two situations. Do they even see their own hypocrisy in this? Is it even obvious to them? I don't know. I'd like to think in their hearts of hearts, they, they understand what they're saying and, and what, they're, what they're guilty of. But here's the bottom line. I cover Hollywood from the right. Most people, I'm going to say 95, and that may be conservative estimate, who cover Hollywood, the film critics, the film journalists, they hail from the left. And they know that if they go into those, those you know, they go into Reese Witherspoon's, uh, you know, press agent and they ask her some tough questions, well, Maybe their access will be denied next time. There's a, there's a symbiotic relationship going on in a sense. And also, these different reporters don't want to put Hollywood activists in a bad light because they're all on the same side. So if an actor or actress behaves badly, chances are it won't be covered extensively. But if Roseanne Barr behaves badly, and she did with that tweet, well, then it's game on and they need to chase her out of the profession. It happens over and over again. The bias in the, in the mainstream news press is obvious, but it's just as obvious in what they do and don't cover from the Hollywood press. And I see it all the time. Where do you think the Me Too movement goes because of this type of hypocrisy? And this isn't the only time we've seen it. I just think it's, of course, with someone who is likely going to be the Democrat nominee. We're talking about a major figure that is known during a very important upcoming election. Do you think because of this hypocrisy, it damages any good things that may have been accomplished through the Me Too movement to opening up a space for women to speak about any type of harassment or any type of assault they may have faced? Yeah, listen, I think the Me Too movement on paper was a wonderful thing. I think it was overdue. I think it has changed the culture in a good way. And I think that the predators who are out there uh, stand a better chance of getting caught of being ratted on, and that's all wonderful. But yeah, this is becoming a political movement and not a justice movement, not a movement for women, which is what it should be, what it should be, continue to be, but it's not. And uh, again, the media is not going to share that message. So for the average person, they're not going to get it. You know, I, I, I spend tons of time looking into this, investigating it, and kind of going behind the scenes and, and seeing what's said and not said. You know, most people are just living their lives. They're just trying to put food on the table and they don't have time to kind of dig down into the media and the bias. It's they just have they have more important things to do. It's just, you know, so they're not going to get that message. But overall, this does not help the movement. And I, I would think that people who are left of center should look at all of this and say, gosh, this wasn't what it was all about. This was supposed to be noble and good and and, and, and change things. And you know, the next person who comes forward, they can think, well, you know, who am I going to hurt politically? How does this stand in that cultural perspective? And maybe they don't come forward. And that's a shame. You would almost think that after the Harvey Weinstein situation and his conviction through all of this, that they would want to be more vocal during a time like this, at least saying we should, we, we said before that women should be listened to. Now, many of them said that I believe her, that was one of those slogans, which I've always said, 
women can lie as well. Men can lie. Women can lie. Mm -hmm. Let's go through due process and see what actually takes place. But it seems they haven't learned anything from that. But I do think you put on, put, bring up a good point right there, which is, first of all, people have really important things going on in their lives. And listening to what a celebrity may say um, isn't really important during a time when they're just trying to figure out how to put food on the table. But a common question I get, I'm sure you get this with what you do for a living. The common question I get from people is, where do I go for unbiased news? Because so many people self-select into what they want to read, and I think it's good to have options. But are we seeing within the media, because there seems to be more bias um, in media and how things are covered, especially during the Trump administration, it's hard for people to parse through what is true and what is not true. Yeah, it's a great question. I don't have an easy answer. You know, for me, as someone who is right of center, I kind of absorb the left of center messaging. I see it in Hollywood. I see it on my newsfeed. I see it in the mainstream publication. So I can't avoid it. And I'm happy not to avoid it because I'd rather kind of know what's out there. And then I will seek out other publications like National Review or The Federalist or The Daily Wire. And I'll kind of get the, I try to get as much information, get the full story. A lot of great podcasts out there that, that really break down the news in ways that I think the major news outlets don't do. So that's part of it. I, I mean, I just want more transparency. I don't really have an ax to grind against Mother Jones or The Nation or MSNBC. They are what they are. They do what they do. Their bias is obvious. And I think you can kind of go into them and say, okay, I know where they're coming from. Let's see what they've got. And then you could assess whether it's true, whether it's false, whether it's been framed improperly or not. That's fine. But when you have so many outlets that are purporting to be true and noble and fair and honest, and they're not remotely any of the above. Then that that does get my that kind of drives me crazy. Let's also transition to where the state of movies are right now in entertainment. So we have seen movies that never went to the theater that came straight to people's homes. You had a maybe purchase $20 um, instead of the normal rental rate in order to watch it. How have you seen movies, the entertainment industry, try to adapt during this coronavirus time? Well, it's really tricky, and it kind of is a case-by-case basis. There are some films that were just in theaters, and they figured, well, the wind, there's not much we can do with it. Let's just put it on home video, jack up the price, and see what happens. So that's what happened with Invisible, Invisible Man and uh, also The Hunt and Emma. Then there were films that were about to be released, and some of them have come straight to home video, and that includes Trolls World Tour, which actually made a ton of money, according to the Universal uh, Figures as a home video release. But again, you know, that's slanted because we're all home. And, uh, you know, I don't know how it'll fare elsewhere. But it's, we're in a transition period. And, you know, people say, well, it's a death of movie theaters and we won't go to movies anymore, blah, blah, blah. I don't think so. I think for the, the sort of the razzle-dazzle experience, nothing can replace the theater. And I think once things calm down, I think we're going to want to go back and, and experience it again. But I think what will change is there are some movies that are going to be on the bubble. Movies that maybe don't have a lot of uh, marketing power, movies that maybe are better suited for home viewing where it's quieter, you can really kind of appreciate it. I think you may see more of those films go direct to video on demand and maybe they will have a higher price tag at first until a few weeks later then the kind of the price will kind of float downward. So I think I think that will change. But I you know, listen, I don't think Hollywood's gonna say, okay, Black Widow is gonna be in, you know, pay per view at home, we're gonna skip theaters. I, I don't see that. I could be wrong, but I don't see it. And many people are binge watching shows right now. They're asking about the best shows. I am curious. So what 
obviously productions are shut down right now in any TV programming, any Netflix, any movies. Are we going to have a big gap when things start opening up again? Because we're going to run out of content at a certain point in time, correct? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I guess it depends how long the gap is. You know, uh, stars can't go back to work yet. It's not happening. We're seeing these sort of makeshift Zoom created shows, you know, the, the, the late night talk shows that are all being shot from their homes. So they're kind of making do. But yeah, there will be a gap of sorts. But then, of course, there's a lot of content that maybe is delayed, too. So we're in uncharted territory. There are movies that will be coming out later this summer, hopefully. There were movies that were going to come out a couple of weeks ago, but they've been pushed off to next year. So it's just a very volatile landscape. I don't know how it's going to change, but there's so much content out there. If there was a two-month gap where nothing new came out, then we could all just catch up on what we missed because there's so many great different things on different platforms. And I think of all the problems in the entertainment realm, that'll be, that'll be a smaller one. Let's just get back to work. So this this is a, a good question to go from there, which is what are you watching? You, your family, any quarantine picks that you would recommend to us that maybe not be the top picks that we're hearing? So people are asking for suggestions all the time. Anything that's a bit more obscure that you think people should pay attention to? Yeah, you know, as a critic, I watch two or three movies a week, but now I'm watching two or three independent movies a week. And the good thing there is that that's another video on demand possibility and often they'll pay like between six and ten dollars to watch it at home these are new movies they haven't been in theaters and normally they would go to like art house uh, theaters but now they're going straight to home so a couple options here one is called resistance with jesse eisenberg it's the true story that marcel marceau the great mime i had no idea about this but during world war ii he helped save a whole bunch of jewish children from the holocaust and the story looks at how he was a hero back then it's not a great movie but it's a good movie and it's just it's such an amazing story, and I think more people should hear about it, and it's well worth seeing. On the horror front, there's a movie coming out this weekend, starting Friday. Uh, it's called The Wretched, and it's about a, a teenager who moves in with his dad, and he's living in a kind of a coastal community, and there's something creepy about his next-door neighbor. I'll say no more, but it's a very well-constructed, smart horror movie, good special effects, lots of scares. It's not the kind of movie where you're kind of smacking your head at the stupidity of the main characters. It's smarter than that. So those are two off the bat. And also, Train to Busan is probably the best zombie movie of the past 10, 20 years. It's on Amazon Prime right now. It's a South Korean film. It is long. It is gory. It is scary. It is perfectly crafted. And if you love horror movies, I really highly recommend it. It's one of the best ones I've seen in quite some time. It sounds like you're a big horror movie fan. I struggle with them, I have to be honest. I get scared. (laughs) It's scary. Um, um, Have you seen, so this is in the conservative circles, this has been talked about a lot. It's the biopic of Mrs. Phyllis Schlafly, Mrs. America. Have you seen it yet? And what is your take on it? You know, I haven't been able to catch up with it yet. I'm just watching so much stuff. I did speak to her daughter who was kind of uh, astounded at some of the things that were just shown in the trailer itself. Uh, the early reviews painted it as, as showing her as like a villain, a kind of a Walter White-like figure. So, you know, listen, it would strike me as bizarre if it wasn't if it wasn't fair to her. I don't think it is to a certain extent. But, you know, this is Hollywood. This is the messages they do. It does show some deep flaws, I understand, with the, within the feminist movement and the different personalities and the different arguments they had and the fissures that sort of maybe stopped them from getting the ERA amendment passed. So... You know, and enter carefully. Kate Blanchett plays Phyllis Schlafly. She's a wonderful actress. She also co-produced this whole production. It's on Hulu right now. 
uh, yeah, I just I haven't been able to catch up with it. But uh, when when Hollywood tackles a subject like this, there's often a reason for it. There's often a message that they want to share, and uh, I, I don't think uh, that's avoidable when you see it. Final question for you is just about any type of movies that you think are coming out or maybe currently out there that we should pay attention to that maybe have more of a right of center message behind it. Sometimes my favorite movies are those movies that don't have an overt political message. It's not a documentary, but there's just some inherent truth. Like one movie that has always stood out to me that does as well was the movie Up, which, of course, was a huge blockbuster film. To me, it was about eminent domain. We knew that taking away this man's house was bad, which is why he flew it away on balloons. Um, and it's this whole mm-hmm. idea that government shouldn't or a company shouldn't be able to take your property. Is there anything like that that you see coming up where there is more of a a message that's um, smaller government or more about individual rights that's coming out? I know I'm throwing you a curveball with this question because they're, they're rare. They're few and far between if these movies come out. Yeah, you know, I don't know of anything on the coming soon. I want to mention a couple of films. One is called Little Pink House. It's about a year and a half old, and it is specifically about eminent domain. It is not an animated film, uh, but it's got Catherine Keener as a star. It's a very well-told story that even though I think it speaks to uh, libertarian impulses, it's not a hard ideological story. I think it's really better crafted than that. It's got a more complex, more nuanced. I really recommend that one. Also, it was in theaters a few weeks ago. It's on ver- There's a way to watch it on demand right now. No Safe Spaces. I thought it was the most important film that came out last year. It's about free speech. It's about what's happening on college campuses nationwide. Never been more important to watch this movie. And it's really engaging. It's smart. On a very small budget, it looks good. It's got a kind of a, a, a kind of a glossy feel to it. It doesn't feel like a kind of a cheap theatrical effort. It's got Dennis Prager, Adam Carolla, Tim Allen, a whole bunch of people you may know of, and also some liberal voices who are talking about the importance of free speech. So if you haven't seen No Safe Spaces, I just, however you can see it, see it. It's an important movie. It's a good movie. And uh, I wish it had been a bigger box office hit when it came out because those are the kind of movies you really need to support. Well, we appreciate those suggestions and we appreciate your time and also your work in this sphere. Not many people are taking on Hollywood and giving us the message that's center, a right of center that is out there. Your website is hollywoodintoto.com. People should check it out. But for now, Christian, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you all for joining us. Before you go, we did want to let you know that during this time of unprecedented challenges due to COVID-19, it's more important than ever to show what America is made of. That's why IWF is highlighting American ideals of ingenuity, generosity, and kindness. From everyday Americans donating blood to companies providing free food and housing, it's a beautiful reminder that we're in this together. Visit IWF.org or check us out on Facebook and Twitter and follow our campaign using hashtag in this together that is hashtag in this together to learn more about the campaign also independent women's forum relies on the generosity of supporters like you and investment in iwf fuels our efforts to enhance freedom opportunity and well-being for all americans if you would please consider making a small donation to iwf by visiting iwf.org backslash donate that's iwf.org backslash donate And last but not least, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. It always helps. And we'd love it if you shared this episode to let your friends know where they can find more She Thinks episodes. From all of us here at Independent Women's Forum, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.